Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives. Their leadership style is forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as serial entrepreneur Maurice Manley II interviews present and future icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. You are listening to episode number 88, Rock the World. We had the honor and pleasure of talking to comedian, actor, producer, Tony Rock. His strong family orientation and his unwavering commitment to his values separates him from the competition. As he shares personal stories, you will begin to understand how he attained a high level of confidence when the odds are stacked up against him. Without further ado, I introduce to you, Tony Rock. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Up. Joining me today is a good friend of mine. He is a comedian, an actor, entertainer from Brooklyn, Bed-Stuy to be exact. My yes, brother, sir. Tony Rock. How are you? What's good, sir? I appreciate the intro. Never leave out Brooklyn. Yeah, I, I, I got to, you know, we got to big up to you Brooklyn. Actor, entertainer, all that, whatever. Don't leave out Brooklyn. Bad style Brooklyn, to be exact. Bad style, to be exact. Exactly. <laughs> I got yes, you covered. Sir. Man, I haven't seen or talked to you in a while since we've been on uh, lockdown and this world stuff happening. Uh, how are you, first of all? Well, 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 we've been on lockdown. Apparently, some people just don't give a fuck that there's a lockdown. Right. And they live in their lives. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. The responsible people have been indoors, moving around at caution, and everybody else is like, hey, man, flights is $50. I'm going to Cancun. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. But, just... but to answer your question, I'm fine. Uh, the home is safe. It's good. Uh, me, and wifey, me and wifey in here, like, you know, like we hide from the law. We just in here. <laughs> What's interesting is I was talking to someone a while back, and they said, being on lockdown is nothing new for, for black people. Like we, we kind of are used to being restricted in some kind of way. And so we, this is very, this is very true. And you know, what's crazy, two things. Now th this whole, this whole lockdown has given me a new perspective on house arrest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because if you think about it, house arrest really depends on the house. That's true. It's only punishment if the house is fucked up. Correct. So if you, when you put somebody like Martha Stewart on house arrest, she like, bitch, I would love to stay home yeah. every day. <laughs> exactly. That's why they give house arrest to poor black people. Cause right. if you gotta stay in the project apartment all day, every day, that is punishment. Yep. You can't put, you know, you can't put uh, Elon Musk on house arrest. He's no. like, nigga, my house is eight football fields. Yeah. What do I care? It's Disneyland. It's right. Not, it's not. So it's that's not. one thing that, that made that the <laughs> pandemic made me think about. And two is uh, relationships will be tested during the pandemic. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah you're going to definitely, you're going to definitely see where y'all stand when you can't <laughs> go stand somewhere else. Right. Right. 
the cream will rise to the top. So, man, right. look, let's get into it. I know uh, doing what you do on stage, in front of crowds, on TV, on the big screen requires an extreme amount of confidence and, and, a, and a certain level of certainty. How did you get that amount of confidence? And, and it also requires a little bit of crazy, a little bit of crazy. Right. You gotta be, you gotta be on some level, a little bit of crazy to be a comedian in general. Explain that. To, because to get on stage, and first of all, the number one fear of most human beings is public speaking. True. That's number one. That's yes. number one. So to be able to just walk on a stage in front of a room full of strangers, you got to have some screws loose a little bit. Mm. Then to be a good comic, and what, what I mean by that is to be a comic that will give his opinion on several many things. To say what you believe about pop culture, what you believe about race relations, what you believe about the, the state of America, what you believe about the president and not be held back by the the, the uh, notion that you may offend someone. Mm. So you gotta be a little crazy to do that too, to, just, to yeah. just bear your soul like that. Right. Then it takes a tremendous amount of confidence to think that you can actually be good at it and to endeavor to be good at it and to even be on this crazy ride that we're on. And uh, it, it, it takes a lot. But to answer your question, I, as growing up as a kid, when I was a kid growing up in Bed-Stuy, seven brothers, two sisters, uh, I just always was that kid that was like, if everybody else was afraid to try it, I would try it. Hmm. If everybody was kind of, everybody was kind of, you know, timid to to take the chance, I would go. I right, I'll, I'll do it first. I'll I'll see how it goes. You know. So you I was the one that would. If everybody was afraid of the bully, I would fight the bully. Really. So the yeah the confidence came in the confidence came in in, in that regard at, at first. It just like fear is only what you concocting your head in, in some aspects. Yeah. Sometimes you ever do this when you was a kid, you ever do this when you was a kid. And sometimes as an adult also, you you make the, the, the idea or the notion in your head is so big that you get so worked up that it's gonna be so horrible when you have to address it or confront it. And then you do it and it's like, yo, that wasn't even as bad as I thought it was in my head. All the time, 100%. That's what, that's what fear is. Fear is the concocting mm -hmm. of the obstacle of how big the obstacle could be. Reality is facing what the obstacle exactly is, is, is exactly. Right, right. So you would say you came out the womb with this sense of self and-, and I, I, had, I have older brother, my oldest brother, and I, I, I attribute so much of my entire life to him. Mm. My oldest brother was, uh, my father had my first brother when he was 15 years old. Wow. So my oldest brother uh, was 18 when I was born. Okay. Uh, Jeez. He, so growing up, I had two dads. I had my dad who taught me respect your mother and clean your plate and keep your room clean and, yeah. you know, take a bath and be respectful to your elders and all that stuff. And then I had my 18-year-old brother who was my cool dad mm. that taught me you dress like this. This is how you talk to girls. You never put your hands on a woman. I'm okay. gonna teach you how to box. I'll teach you how to play basketball. Uh, you gotta always have some money in your pocket because you never know when you're gonna have to take a girl out. Yeah. Um, you know, you take care of your friends, but don't always overextend yourself to the point where you're doing for them and they're not reciprocating. Mm. So it was like I had this balance in my life of two male role models. 
You were fortunate. And my oldest brother was the coolest dude I ever met in my life. Wow. And I wanted to be the inspiration to be cool, to just be cool, to just be the guy that walked around the neighborhood and people was like, yo, what up, Tom? Yeah. Yo, Rock, it's good. You good? Like, I wanted to be that guy. And that came from earning the, the respect of people around you. Huh. So I learned that from my brother. And then being a, a uh, my father's from South Carolina, deep raised deep in the South. So being raised with those country morals and values, I got the respect of my of the older people, like the, mm. my 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 uncles and aunts and the old people on the block was like, that's such a well-rounded young man, you know? Yeah, the seniors. So they kind of they they kind of made me. And then wanting to follow my brothers, my older brothers' leads, they played football. I wanted to play football. They played basketball. I wanted to play basketball. So following their lead is another thing that gave me that confidence that they do it, even though I'm small, I'm gonna try it because they do it. Right. So that's and, where the confidence came in. And so they let you hang out with them, even though the age gap was was that big of a gap. They no, my, my oldest brother, his name is his name is Charles. That's why I named my son Charleston also. Okay. He, he um he let me do everything with him. Wow. Some of my other brothers, you know, being younger, some of my other brothers was like, yo, get out of here, man. Yeah, like exactly. I can't they stop. Get out of here, man. I don't get, go home. I don't want to take you with me. My oldest brother never did that. Never. He That's... was 18. He like, I mean, he was like 25 going to parties and he would be like, I'm going to hang out with you for an hour or two before I go. Or if he would go to some girl's house for dinner, he would take me with him. He would tell a girl that she cook him dinner. I, I'm bringing Tone. And she'd be like, oh, it's cool. It's cool. Wow. So I would be sitting there at dinner with him and some young lady. And he's like trying to get his Mac on, but his little brother's there. Right. And then he would like, you know, let me go in the living room and watch TV while he went and did whatever adults yeah. do, you know. But he he never was get out of here. He was never get out of here. So what that what that sounds like to me is you at an early age, you were positioned to have a certain level of exposure that once once it was your turn to actually get that type of exposure, your exposure yourself, like in your world and in your arena, it was kind of like, oh, man, I've been here and done that. And yeah. so it became easy. It was nothing for you. It was almost like battle tested, if you will. Yeah. You know what? You know what's crazy. My oldest, again, my oldest brother, he was a, a wild dude. He was he was a, he was the neighborhood terror. Okay. He was a great guy to his family, but in the neighborhood, people feared him. Ah. And I will tell you a short story. I'll try to make it a short story. This is how loyal I was to him. How much inspiration he was to me in my life. He shot a dude one night in Halsey Park. Right. <laughs> Ran home. Gave me the gun. And said, Tone, hide this. How old were you? Man, 10, 11. <laughs> Gave me the gun, said, Tone, hide this. I took the gun, I hid it. Days later, my father comes and says, hey, Charlie got arrested. He said he gave you something to hide. Give it to me. But my brother didn't tell me that he told my pops that. Mm. So I was like this. I don't know what you're talking about. To my father. I'm looking at my father wow. in the face like, I don't know what you're talking about. And my father's like, yo, it's cool. It's cool. You're not in trouble. You're not in any trouble. He said he gave you something to hide. You can give it to me. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about, dad. You sure he said me? Like, really? My brother had to call home from jail, put tone on the phone, get me on the phone. Hey, man, listen, it's cool. Give it to dad. You sure? Give it to dad. Okay, went up under my bed, under the mattress, wrapped up in a pillowcase, 
gave my dad the fucking murder <laughs> weapon. <laughs> so my pops took it and then he whipped my ass. For lying. <laughs> <laughs> but wow. my mother, I remember, I remember vividly after I got the beating, my mother said, Well, what do you want me to say to him? What do you, my, my mother, my father's like talking to my mother, like, can you believe this? And my mother said, Well, what do you want me to say? Like, he loves his brother. Yeah. Wow. And it was, my pops realized like he was in a tough spot because it was like, I want him to have that type of love for his brother. Yeah. But I want him to do the right thing also. You had his back. So to make it stick to your make it relevant to your point was I had seen a lot as a as a youngster. Mm -hmm. I had seen uh what my brother what his reputation was in the neighborhood and what that garnered him. Yeah. The respect that he had, also the fear that he he evoked, uh, the re respect my father had in the neighborhood from just being a hardworking man. And the block I grew up on in Brooklyn, it was only maybe five fathers on the whole block. What? Of all, the whole block, the whole block. from avenue to avenue, my whole street, maybe maybe 50 houses, 60 houses, five fathers. Unbelievable. And my dad was like the block father. For all my friends that didn't have a father, they would come to my father to learn how to tie a tie, learn how to fix a flat, learn how to, you know, do stuff that a young man is supposed to learn how to do. Huh. Interesting. Now, yeah. ha has there ever been a time? Well, I'm sure it has, but I'll let you tell me. I don't want to assume. Has there ever been a time where your confidence was tested? Uh, well, in this in this arena, in, in comedy or just business, life, relationships? Well, like in, in, in comedy, in comedy, you're your, your confidence is tested every time you get on stage. Every time. Because right. any night could be that night where you're just like, damn, I didn't have it, and they let me have it. Keep in mind, every time you get on stage, you're talking to strangers. Right. And you don't know if they, who had a bad day. You don't know who doesn't want to be there. They just came because their girlfriend wanted to come. Yeah. You don't know who who came because they wanted to see the guy before you, not really you. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of there's a lot of components that, uh, that will test your confidence in stand-up every day. In this business, your confidence is tested a tremendous amount more because going on auditions, you train and you train and you study these lines they sent you and these sides they sent you. And you go into a room full of strangers that are like this, like sitting there, literally judging you. Yeah. And just staring at you with literally a blank face. Literally sitting here like, I don't believe you. Convince me that you should get this part. Right. So you're starting from the deficit. You're starting mm. off with a strike already. Like, I don't win me over. Right. You know, so that's that, that's a tremendous amount of a, a tremendous test to your confidence. Uh, growing up in Bedford Stuyvesant, in Brooklyn, when everybody is on a level playing field of nothing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everybody's on a level playing field of nobody has shit. Right. Nobody's better than anybody. And then one person gets a little bit of something. Now that motherfucker is the target. Right. Because everybody has nothing. So if everybody has nothing and one person comes around with a nickel, that motherfucker's the target. Yeah. We got to get and that. And then somebody nickel. got a quarter. It's like, oh shit, we got to get this motherfucker with a quarter. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll, then they'll big you up. You know, the, the neighborhood will big you up and praise you and yo, you're going to make it, man. You're going to do good. And then you get to a certain plateau and it's like, fuck that nigga, man. It's like, whoa, y'all was telling me I was going to be here. And now y'all want to bring me back down here. Mm. So it's a tremendous amount of, con of a test of your confidence in keeping a sane mind coming from where we come from. Right knowing that you're up against your own people for no apparent reason. Right. So true. Now, because you grew up in a big family, 
did that. That was my that was my saving grace. My saving grace. I, I don't I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah, yeah. But I kind of know where you're going. My saving grace in having ten siblings mm-hmm. was I didn't have to join a gang. Okay. I didn't have to room with a pack of dudes just to be accepted. I didn't have to cut school and go smoke in the back of the school with the kid with the cool kids to right. be accepted. I had ten motherfuckers at home that loved me regardless. But so growing up with these ten people, did that help you with competition? Because you're in a highly yes. competitive yes. business right now, so yeah, th- yeah, yes, absolutely. I, 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 when I was in my youth, I haven't done it as much as an adult, but in my youth, I was a super athlete, hmm. only because I wanted to be better than my brothers at whatever they were good at. Okay. So where where my one brother was good in football, I was like, I want to be better than him. Mm. My one brother was good in baseball. I want to be better than him. Mm. My other brother boxed and played basketball. I want to be better than him. So I kind of played everything and tried to master everything because I wanted to be able to, number one, compete with my brothers right. and play alongside with them. I never wanted them to go, yo, man, you costing us the game, you know? Yeah. You don't well, want we to only got you because you a sibling. Get out of here, you know? I wanted them to be, yo, I got my brother. Right. I got my brother. Right. You know what I mean? You wanted to be that man. So now, right. how, how do you... How do you distinguish yourself from the competition? Uh, how do you distinguish yourself from the competition? You, you consistency. I'm talking about you. Yeah, no, that's what I'm oh, saying. You're, okay. Be, being, being consistent. Being consistent. If I'm consistent, then, you know, the competition, even the competition takes notice now that if you're consistent, they're like, damn, if somebody's playing, let's say as a game playing against you, mm-hmm. if you're consistently, you know, producing it's like damn he's 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 real he's he's real deal you know yeah and then maybe next time they're picking it's like yo i got tone because they see he produces consistently right in the business in the business same exact same exact you know format if you if you hit if you get a hit every time up to bat they're going to keep you in the game right when i go on auditions i deliver yes i go on audition for a sitcom boom i book it i go for a, 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 a independent film boom i book it so now even casting directors now, where they used to be proved, I, I'm not convinced. Now I walk in and it's like, okay, we know, we know what he brings to the table. Come right. on, Tony, come on in. Right, right. You know, his, his, for all the people watching that are in the industry, you know when they respect you in the audition, when the casting director comes out in the hallway to check the, the sign-in sheet mm-hmm. and skip somebody. When they skip somebody for you, you mm. have made an impression on that casting director. When so- you're like number five on the sheet, and they're up to number two and they come out and see you and go, Hey, uh, everybody, we're going to go out of order. Tony, come on in. You uh, know that they know that more than likely you're going to deliver. So they're like, let me just get to the good guy now. Right. So now along those lines, how, how were you able to, or how did you build your brand to where it is today? Like, how did you distinguish yourself like that? Like starting in the beginning, how'd you okay. build yourself? up to where you are now starting in the beginning let's let's address the elephant in the room starting in the beginning i was chris rock's little brother that was it it was comedy clubs was like yo performing tonight chris rock's little brother i didn't even have a name in the beginning. right but how did they even like did you go and tell them hey i'm chris rock's brother or you just no 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 i mean the name is it's not a lot of rocks floating around this earth okay so it's like and and it's not it's not like a, a, a lasting like washington where it's like maybe they're not related if yeah. you hear rock, you're going to automatically be like, wait, is it relation? Okay. 
and and it's the same business and comedy. It's like, wait, a, a rock and he's a rock and they got to be, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And the resemblance and we both Brooklyn and it. So you kind of put two and two together. Okay. And comedy club owners, comedy club owners don't care about the art of stand-up comedy. That's the biggest myth in comedy. Really? Is that comedy club owners care about the art form of stand-up comedy. They don't care. Hmm. They care about ticket sales and the bar because that's where they make their money. So if they could put a kid on stage and say, hey, Chris Rock's brother's here tonight, they might sell a few more tickets and sell a few more drinks. Okay. Right? So starting out, I had to get out from under that first and foremost. Yeah. By how did I do that was to establish my own voice. Mm. So if you see me do stand-up and you see my brother do stand-up, you will say, oh, they're not, they're nothing alike. Correct. They're totally different. So that was number one, establish my own voice. Then once you establish your own voice, you build your own fan base because a fan base is basically the group of people that understand what you do, mm-hmm. like what your skill set is. If you want to see political comedy, you know, you go, you might go see my brother or you might go see George Carlin, rest in peace, or you might go see the guys that do that. Right. If you want to see more slapstick comedy, more just funny joke, 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 really no, nothing substantial, no talk of politics or race relations. You just want to laugh. You might go see this comic. Mm-hmm. So once, the, once you, you establish your voice, that's when you establish your fan base. Then once you build your fan base, then you're on your own. you got your own fan base. you got your own voice. You do, you're on your own. You do your thing. Okay. Makes sense. Did you intentionally create the business lane that you're in or did you just take opportunities no, as they came? I, I did. I think... But the, uh, the the first thing to do was to stay as far away from my brother as possible. Okay. I didn't want to, I didn't want to do something that he was doing early on just because I didn't, because I didn't want it to be, Oh, he just, his brother, he just is his brother. I didn't want to ride in. I didn't want to ride his coattails. I didn't want to stand in his shadow. I didn't want to be passed along because of, right. You know, I didn't, any, I didn't, I didn't want any of that stuck on my name. And in the beginning, did you kind of like have it mapped out in your head besides, you know, staying away from brother, but this is where I want to go. This is how I want to be. Like, did you see the the full vision of you and your brand or did you kind of piece it together along the way? I, you know, what's interesting. I had a vision. I did have a vision, Okay. but I didn't understand the steps it took to get the vision from here mm. to there. So, I, example, if you play sports, if you play basketball, as a kid, you say, I want to go to the NBA. Yep. Right? That's the vision. You don't know the steps right. that it takes. You might just say, I want to go to the NBA. End result. You know, mm-hmm. end all, beat all. Mm-hmm. You, don't know, you don't know the constant amount of work involved. You don't know how important AAU teams are. You don't know how important training and healthcare and eating right and all you don't know the steps right you don't know you don't, you don't know how to uh uh what high schools are the best for your abilities what coaches are the best for your abilities you just know the end result is this yeah so that was me i was i want to be tv movies i want to write produce whatever whatever didn't know the steps per se then once i started you know establishing my voice in stand up i understood i started learning more about the steps of how to write an hour's worth of material for a special. Uh, 
how to sh- how to pitch a TV show, hmm. how to write a TV show, how to write a treatment, how to write characters. So, so wait, wait, wait. So th- like pitching TV shows that which is totally different from comedy. Writing characters is different. Did somebody? Did you meet someone, or did they come along to say, "Okay, Tone, look, this is how you, you know, formulate the outline. This is how you pitch this." Because if you have never done it before, even though in your mind you say, "Hey, yeah, this is what I want to do," how did you formulate the concepts to actually do it? Let me let me tell you something about me, about my personality, which I would not recommend. Let me say, <laughs> let me emphasize that this: I would not recommend people do this, but it's who I am. It's who I am. I am the person that will try something, fail horribly, fail horribly, <laughs> fall flat on my face, lose money, lose time, yeah. uh, lose connections and, and, mm. and partnerships, pick myself up, then learn from my mistakes, and then get it right. There's nothing wrong with that, though. It is because... It's failing fast. There's, there's, there's other ways to do things. True. I, and this is, I say that because of this, I was in, I, I was in pitch meetings before I should have been in pitch meetings. Okay. So I'm in, I'm in pitch meetings, just fucking, just fucking <laughs> it all up. And it's network people, people that run networks at the other side of the table, like. <laughs> What the are you fuck doing? What is this dude doing? <laughs> so now, you know, once I get it right, that person is not very likely to jump at the opportunity to meet with me again. Right. Understand what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Makes sense. The saving grace in that is this the person that was at the other side of the table when I had the horrible meeting probably doesn't even have that job anymore. Ah. Uh-huh. So there's a new person there. Yes. And now that person is going to get the refined pitch right the pitch is like oh man we got to do this you know what i'm saying yeah so i wouldn't recommend people do it but that's how it is i'm i'm such an independent thinker i'm such an independent thinker i'm such a person that's always been i can do it myself i've always been i can do it myself and i wouldn't recommend that when there are people you can talk to and learn from right when there are mentors you can talk to i i didn't have a mentor so I just was like, fuck it. I'm just going to try it. And I would, I would crash the plane every time. But see, I I, would, to that point though, I think you, you're a huge risk taker, but I think a lot of that has to do with that confidence factor and, yes. the, and then your brother, which is why I asked those questions because it's funny. Cause I don't know that about you in terms of the risk, but I have a feeling about that because I think it's directly linked to the confidence that you possess. Let me tell you a, 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 a story that's related, but not really related. Okay. I taught myself how to drive a car. Uh, you, I, I you literally was sitting in the car. car? I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was sitting in the car with my dad and just watch him. Just like literally watch his feet and look at the street and watch his feet. And then one day he went in the store and was like, watch the car. You know, back in the day, your parents would leave a car running right. and just have you sitting there. Right. Just watch the car. And I'm sitting there and then. Uh, he's like slide over it behind the wheel in case they in case somebody drives past, you know, they'll they'll think, you know, he's parking legally. Yeah. So I was just like, hey, move it along and just wait. Right. So he comes back to the car and gets in the passenger side and goes, drive. Oh wow. And I'm like, you serious? <laughs> he's like, yeah, drive. He didn't know I knew it. I kind of knew it. I'm like, all right, bam, I'll pull that motherfucking brake down and 
<laughs> Even my father's like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I just, I just knew I could do it. Right. And that, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. So having that, having that confidence and that knowing that self-awareness enables you to take those risks, jump out there, put yourself out, potentially right. fail. But I think your belief is as such, you're like, you know what? I could fail. Yes, but I could win and I could win big. So, you know what? Yes. I'm going to roll the dice and, and, and go yeah. for it. And it's a great quality to have. And I think more of us need to have that, you know, and on top of that, there's so much to learn from that. Like if right. somebody. And look, what you learn, there's so much to learn and what you learn, you ain't going to forget. You, you will not forget. Like I could, or somebody could come along and say, Hey, hey Tone, this is, um, this is how you pitch. You want to create your outline like this. You want to hit these key points and, and, and you know, they're going to be looking for the, yeah, but it's not the same because you right. could, you could take that information, go in there and pitch and still fail and fail bad. And, and you know what? Uh, just think about how much more rewarding it is when you win after you have been defeated. Yep. Yep. You know what I mean? It's the victory, like the victory, the victory after defeat Oh, oh my God! Sweet. It's, it's after sweet. the beat, that victory right there. <laughs> Nothing like it. And look, after every girl said no, 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 and that girl says yes, you like, oh, yeah. especially if she's bad and she killing Man. off all the other it ones. Makes up, it makes up for all those no's. <laughs> Very true. Very true. So, how did you come to determine your worth in the business? Uh, I, you know what, I don't let the business. I don't let the business dictate my my worth. I don't let the business dictate my morals. I don't let the business dictate my character. I don't let the business dictate my loyalty. Mm-hmm. And I might not blow up because of this. I might not be the biggest name in, in showbiz because of that these reasons. But I'm fine with that. Yeah. I'm fine with being the people's champion. Yeah, I'm fine with going on the road and people like, yo, man, you are so underrated. And I say, no, I'm not underrated. You're just thinking I should be on a bigger platform, which I understand. Right. But to you, you're a fan and I appreciate you. So to you and me, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Right. This business, the business has no, has no, uh, the business has no concern for what you believe in and what you what you were taught as a child. And correct. They don't give a fuck what your parents told you to never, that your parents told you to never sell out. Right. This business don't care that, you, that they said that you're a black man and you have a responsibility to black people first and foremost. Right. They don't. This business don't care about none of that. And I don't think any business or any construct does like that. Right. But so I but think. This, but this business, especially. This yeah, business, especially. Uh, agree. If they, get a ch- if they get a chance for you to turn your back on your people and your culture. They're going to do it. They're going to jump all over it, which is why if they, get I think, a to, if they get a chance to emasculate you, they're going to do it. Yep. Uh, totally. Which is why if, I you're think the type it, person, if you're the type of person that will jump for a dollar one time, uh-huh. you'll jump for a dollar every time. Yeah. We've seen that. We've seen that, in, see a that, lot, and, that in a lot of people. We see it every day. But I think that's why it's important for us, you and whoever else is to really understand our value and our worth. And so how, how, how did you come to that understanding of who you are and what you are worth? Which means that, you know, look, I'm Tony. 
this is this is me and I'm not standing for anything. I don't care what you say, what you offer, what you present. Nah, I'm standing on my square. How did you get to I, that place? I, I was raised by two parents that uh, that wasn't having it. Mm. My mother, my mother was a school teacher and she stressed education. Okay. And to this day, I still believe education is the biggest issue that we face in the black community. I mean, of course, there's very many other things, mm -hmm. systematic racism, police brutality, uh, unfit, the prison system, un unfair, a lot of aspects. But I believe if we have an opportunity to be just as educated as our counterparts, yeah, as our contemporaries, then we can do very many things. We can go so much further. Makes and my sense. mother was my mother was big on education. And by saying that, she wanted us to know who we were as as far as education is concerned as well. Mm. Who we were, where we come from, who we owe it to, understand our past so we can dictate our future. Yeah. Uh, she she was very strong on all of that. Yep. My father was <laughs> a hardworking truck driver. My father worked two full-time jobs his whole life. My father worked 80 hours a week. Mm. He would leave work eight hours come home, take a nap and go to work eight hours. Wow. So he taught us work ethic. He taught us that you have to work. There's no way around it. You got to work. Mm -hmm. You can, you can complain about everything all day, every day, and ain't shit going to change unless you work. Right. You can sit on that soapbox all day and say, this person holding me back and this, that, that, that. are you working? Yeah. Very true. So they, they just, they, 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 oh, they, I mean, I'm not from, from out the womb, this was drilled in our heads. Hmm. You know what I mean? And we that. just, we just never, we never let go of that. And then to be in a business that, and be in such a business that is kind of the opposite of all of that, it makes you decide, are you going to go with what you, what your foundation is? Or are you going to lean away from your foundation and, yeah, lean, and find this new, this new, you know, I, I, I love the universe. So you're going to be one of those. Numbers. <laughs> right. Yeah. I find it so interesting because I see so many people, they get caught up in that, which you just said, they'll go to, oh yeah, the universe versus standing on their, on their foundation. And I because, feel because they're, they're so focused on, like you said, the vision, they so focused on what the vision was, mm -hmm. what they wanted to do when they were kids. I want to be this thing. Like I said, they, I want to go to the NBA that they so focused on that. Right. That they they start thinking th that at all costs. Yeah. And for me, it's not that at all costs. Mm. For me, it's I want to be I want to write movies. I want to direct movies. I want to produce TV shows, but not at all costs. Yeah. Not at, not at losing my family and not at losing my 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 worth and not at losing my yourself my people and not at losing my soul yeah. and not at, losing, not at losing my God, not, not, not at all costs. Right. Right. Yeah, man, that's, that's great. I wish more people had that, not just in your business, but just in general, right. like having that, that internal compass. How would you say that doing stand up increased your social intelligence? Uh, because comics, comics are reporters. We're news reporters. Hmm. You watch the 11 o'clock news. They talk about, politics. Yep. They talk about what's going on in that city. They talk about pop culture. They talk about sports and they might have a few topics of like, just for your, just for your interest. 
And then the comic gets on stage and talks about politics. Yeah. What's going on in that city? Race relations, sports, maybe, and a few things for your consideration. Mm-hmm. We we reporters. Right. We just we just report the news with a comedic slant. We bring humor to the madness of the world. Right. Which is why we it's report, so funny because people can relate report, to it. We report the same exact stuff. We just give it. We say this is why this is funny. The news says this is what's happening. We say this is what's happening. And isn't it funny if you look at it like this? Right. That makes sense. That makes That's sense. why comics, people, I, I talk to a lot of young comics and they're like, hey man, you ever, you ever been, uh, you had writer's block or you didn't, you just didn't feel like writing? No, never, never. Because the news comes on every night. Hmm. So there's always going to be something to write about. And newspapers, newspapers come out every day. Yeah. So there's always something to write about. And every day you're alive, you're living, you're seeing, you're doing, you're talking to. So right. there's always going to be material to write. Right. Just be aware of your surroundings. Do any of your talents in entertainment, uh, whether it's writing, producing, um, stand-up, acting, does it require a different part of your brain? Not if we have left brain, right brain. Yeah. Like so, or is it just like all creative? Is there? No, 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 no. I think, I think, I think. Yeah, I think you need left brain, right brain. I think uh, some of the creating when I'm creating, like when I'm writing a script, because mm-hmm. I have to write for different personalities. Right. Right now, me and my, my writing partner, we write, we write in a romantic comedy. Okay. So we have to write from a female's perspective that believes what she believes about dating. Mm. Two dudes are trying to write what this girl would say. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's you gotta be very in tuned with what women are, you know, prone to believe or yep. what women have, you know, holding their hearts to be true. What 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 theories women subscribe to that they just won't, you know, let go, like the girlfriend talk to their girlfriend theory. Like women, you date a girl, you dating her and her friends. Right. She is the the, the physical manifestation of the person you're after. But those other three or four friends are the people you're trying to win over. Because mm-hmm. you win them over, they giving you cool props to her. Okay. I, I don't I haven't seen very many guys be successful in their relationships with girlfriends that didn't like the guy their girl was dating. It's true. I haven't seen a have I could be wrong. I haven't seen a lot of success in I'm dating this girl. Her girlfriends hate me. Right. I yeah, I haven't seen that either. I haven't seen it. Haven't seen a lot of success in um, dating this girl. Her family hates me. Right. You know what I mean? That's true too. Maybe the latter is more is more realistic than than the friends. The latter, the latter is more realistic because your family, your family is biasness. Yeah, they they, they they bias and they get shit wrong a yeah, lot. Right. <laughs> 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 Well, now this 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 question is for me. It's just something I could be totally off base with this, but it just seems like this when I look at now versus the 90s or the 80s and maybe even right. like the late part of the 70s. Why does it seem like the industry of comedy has diminished from when from what it once was? Or am I tripping? D- diminished in what sense? Like it just it seems like it doesn't get the recognition and the respect. Um you like there was a time where you would hear about certain comedians. It was, it was big and it wasn't just like Richard Pryor. 
there were there were several or you there were comedy shows that were on TV or remember back in the day like Red Fox used to have you know full albums you know that that were that were put out I, I listened to them yeah. I used to sneak in my mother's record collection and put them on. oh man this is incredible exactly and now yeah people have specials you know it'd be on Netflix or HBO but um that's about it. I don't see or hear of anything else. You know what it is? This is the thing. Uh, back then, there was if you did an album, that was a big thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's go. Let's go back in the day. Back in the day, if you did an album, that was the shit. You was the man. Yo, he got an album out. Right. Right. There wasn't. It wasn't necessarily specials back then. It was albums. Correct. That was the special. Right. Then it went from albums to special. Okay. So it was. Where this person was just on record. Now this person is, you can see this person. This is visual. Okay. Now more is more so because of the social media and the internet. Now you don't have to wait for HBO to say we're going to give you a special, or you don't even have to wait for a network, a television network, to even acknowledge you. Now, hmm. now you got comics on social media blowing up. Okay. You got dudes on Instagram with two, three million followers that have created their own content that they post on their own sites and they go on the road and they sell out and, and make month, make shitloads of money. Oh, wow. I think the the, 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 word, the way you're looking at it as, as diminished is that the industry doesn't dictate it anymore. Mm. Now the artists in every genre, in every genre, the artist has taken 100% control of his art. Okay. That makes, like music. Look at hip hop. Hip hop used to be if you had a tape or a album out, you was the man. Right. You would walk into a, a club with your record under your arm, like, yo, new shit, play it. Right, right. Now the rapper has taken 100% control of his art. He, he he has his own studio. So he don't need, he's not, he, he doesn't owe the label any money for recording. Mm -hmm. He puts his music on his own site. So he doesn't owe the label any money for costs to produce a tape or an album or a CD. Yeah. He streams his own music. He gets 100% of the money. Very true. So the, the, the diminishment is in the, 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 uh, the corporate the, tie, the, 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 the corp, the corporate, the corporate, uh, landscape. Okay. So I don't think it's diminished at all. I think it's now as we own more. And since we own more and they don't control it, well, then maybe they try to make sure you don't see it all. Since uh, they don't control it, and maybe that's Since what they, it is. Now, yeah. now what they now they own this. They own this this uh this right. axiom right here. The platform. So it's like we'll just make it so if you want to be on our streaming service, now we got to get a piece. Right. Got right? it. Right. Makes sense. Because because they're not going to let you in this country. The golden rule is they're not going to let nobody get rich without giving them their cut. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Very true. That's how this country works. You ain't getting rich without giving the white man his cut. Right. Jails are full of jails are full of black men that tried to get rich without giving the white man his cut. Yeah. Got a point. That's why I don't I don't I don't vilify everybody in prison. Everybody most some people in prison were visionaries. Yeah. But they just didn't give the white man his cut. True. It's a lot of people. I would say 50%. Right. right. At a minimum. Whereas if you look at white history, white American history, there was criminality that led to their legality. Yep. They went from criminal to legal, and now they have a family 
that has been rich beyond their means. Right. And they just pass down the generational wealth to generation. So the whole the next 10 generations will be rich over the crimes that they committed in the beginning. And they're still committing those crimes. But when we try to do it, it's jail yeah, right. for life with no parole. <laughs> exactly. How do you lead in your industry? How do I, I, I lead by, I lead by, this is how I lead, I lead by presenting the opportunity for the younger generation. I take a lot of young cats on the road with me. Like I take young features, opening acts, guys that first and foremost, I think are funny and I think are talented. I think they deserve the opportunity, right? That's number one. I see the, I see the talent. I take them on the road. I tell them they owe me nothing in return for this. Hmm. But what you're gonna learn on the road with me, for the money you're gonna make on the road with me, for the opportunity this presents to be in front of the people you're gonna be in front of and what could potentially come from that, you owe me nothing other than to do the same thing for another young comic when you're in my position. Yes. My window, I got a window of opportunity, right? And the window don't stay open. I'm a realist, the window don't stay open. The All window's right. open for a few years and then there's another black comic in that window. Yeah. And then everybody's like, focus on that guy. Yeah. Right. But while the window's open, my job is, yo, get as many people come through, come through, come through, come through. So when it's closed, at least these 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 people can say, yo, I got through because of tone. Mm. That's that's a true leader. I mean, at least in my opinion. When that's, that's how I lead. So whether regardless of, yo, he whatever your people's opinion, he ain't as funny as his brother. OK, that's your opinion. Yo, he whack. That's your opinion. You're entitled. He's funny, but he never blew up. That's your opinion. He should be larger. That's your opinion. The people that I helped, it's so they're going to sing my praises way after I'm gone. And, and it's so much bigger than any of those other accolades because that's that's contribution. You were paying it forward. As I, I tell people all this. People say, yo, you never get caught up in what they they say this and they yo man as long as my sisters love me because they the toughest art they the toughest critics in the world as long as my sisters love me i sleep like a baby at night yeah your sisters got your back for sure man they the hardest people to win what at least one of as them as long as they I'm say there. they come they come to a show and say you was all right tonight that's big yeah that's because they don't give it up easy. So <laughs> I can do a, I can do Radio City Music Hall, standing ovation. They carry me outside on their shoulders. And they the mayor says, today is Tony Rock Day. My sister going to go, that was kind of cool. <laughs> that was all right. That was you, all right. Yeah, you, I, she was, you, she was like, I ain't no front. That was cool. That was cool. Right. And hey, you look at her like, oh, just cool. That's it. But that, <laughs> that keeps me going. That keeps me like, okay, I'm going to get you one day. Right. One day you're going to. One day you're going to jump up. So when I win that Oscar or that Emmy and I see you crying in the audience, I'm going to know, man, yeah. that I finally got to you. Got you. Got you. What leader do you look up to and admire? Malcolm X. Malcolm X. What makes a leader great and iconic? Uh, what makes a leader great and iconic? That's a good question. Uh. To stand firmly on what you believe in, to be a, uh, to to live by what you're preaching, and not be a uh, a hypocrite. Mm. Uh, to be a man enough to admit your faults, and to uh, to speak to a generation. To speak, to speak, uh, to speak volumes to a generation. Why? What I mean by that is that 
you can listen to a Malcolm X speech today and it resonates as if he said it yesterday. Totally. So he was speaking to not only the circumstances that were going on right then and there, he was speaking to the circumstances of our people. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't saying, yo, if you don't, if you don't stop doing this, that store won't fuck with you or this, this business won't do business with you. He was saying, if we don't fix our condition as a whole, we are going to be in this situation forever. Right. So true. And he's iconic because of that. Yeah. He's iconic. I got his picture. I got a picture of Malcolm X on the wall over there. That's, that's, you can't see all over there. That's Malcolm X. <laughs> uh, so he, he, he just stood on it, man. Like he said it and believed it and didn't, he didn't waver, even though him, him and Malcolm X were contemporaries and they both saw things different, differently. <laughs> mm -hmm. They agreed to disagree. He had respect for, Mal for Martin Luther King, but yep. he stood on what he believed in. It's Just true. because him and Mar Mar Martin talked and he Martin said, hey, this is how I look at it. I understand that. I respect your point of view, but I'm right. standing on what I believe in. Yeah, that that's that. even when even when people turned their backs on him and, you know, cast him out. Yeah. He was like, this is I got to stand on this. Yeah. That's that Muhammad recognizing Ali, Muhammad Ali, another person, another per another uh, person I look up to. Same reason. Right. Muhammad Ali was like, "Yo, we go into war. We literally go into war against people that I have no beef with. Mm -hmm. You're gonna send me across the country, across the world, to kill people that I don't have a personal vendetta with. Right. The America may feel what they feel about these people, but look at how America feels about me. Yes. So why should I go kill for that reason? Right. And I, I, I just believe I, 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 I identify with those people, people mm. that's like, yo, this is what it is. And I don't care what you say about, I got to come up off that. I'm not, I'm not built like that. Right. And that makes sense because I think that ties right back into earlier what we were talking about in terms of recognizing your value and standing on that and not right. letting the outside entity or people or organization dictate what your value is, but you firmly I'm, I'm I'm not wearing the dress, man. Right. I'm not wearing the dress. Yes. Thank you. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not wearing the dress. <laughs> Final question. Okay. So this is called the tabula rasa, which stands for blank slate. So you're an artist. You have a blank canvas in front of you and right. you have all the colors you could possibly want or need to paint a picture. The picture you're going to draw, design or architect is a picture of your life. The caveat is this, you have traveled the world doing tours as you already are, but I'm talking big tours, mega tours, you're international. You have produced TV, movie shows, you have uh, acted in all of them. You've had, you got your own studio, you have more money than you've ever dreamed of. Your, your newborn son, he is healthy, He's grown out of the house, has a family on his own. He's doing exceptionally well. Your family, siblings, mom, dad, they are great. All is well. You and the Mrs., you guys are thriving at the highest level. You have um, mentored and opened the door for so many uh, people that are in entertainment, maybe even created a school for them so that they can thrive. Now, coming back to the blank canvas, what picture do you draw for your life? What colors do you use? I draw a picture 
of a little black boy in the inner city with uh, crime and despair and dilapidation all around him. And then I draw over his head a bubble of everything you just said. And that's me dreaming of all of that stuff you just said. Mm. That's my vision for my life in all that, all that stuff you just said. From that little kid in the inner city, vision that had this vision that he actually got to see come to fruition. And I use the brightest colors I could use. I use the brightest blue. I use the brightest red. I use the brightest green. I use, I, I, it, when you look at it, you got to hold it away. It's so bright. <laughs> I think because that's the, the vision was that bright. Yeah. I saw it that, I saw it that vividly and it was that bright to me that I actually believed in it wholeheartedly. Right. I think you should, um, you should attempt to draw that at some point. That'd be a, that'd be a nice one to add to your art collection. I will, maybe I'll try that one day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah be good. Tom, man, I want to salute you. I want to honor you. Thank you for um, all the work that you are doing, all the work that you have done, entertaining people, keeping them at ease and relieving them from the daily stresses. Uh, And and, and more so, more importantly than that, is your willingness to help others that are behind you because more people like you are needed. And I just- To whom much is given. My mother would always say that. To whom much is given. Correct, correct. So, yeah, man, I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for coming, taking the time out to come on here and allowing the people to hear your story. I love you. You are amazing. You, now, Let I me, wanna... wait, before we go, before we go, since you said the art, I want to show you some of the art in my house, okay. if, I, if I may. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll try, to, I'll try to go over some of the clutter because the baby got a lot of stuff <laughs> here, but I'm going to show you some of the art in the house. Okay. That's Miles Davis. Uh-huh. That's Jackie Robinson. That's a nice one. That's my dad. Okay. That's my dad and my mom, my cousin, my aunt, my aunt, and my uncle. That's Run DMC. There's there's only four of these pictures in the whole world. This this picture right here. There's four of these made in the whole world. And, uh, and Russell Simmons has four. one in his office. One day I was in Russell Simmons' office and I saw this on the wall. And I said, yo, I got the same picture in my house. And he was like, no, you don't. There's only four of those in the world. And I said, yeah, nigga, <laughs> one of them is at my house. <laughs> nice. So these are all the kings. There's the kings of rock, kings yep. of rap. My dad, the king. Yeah. The king of I'll baseball, see. the king of jazz. Over here, I have the comedy king. Yep. Richard. Uh-huh. Over here, I have an Ernie Barnes painting. Oh, yeah. Those are nice. Always love those. And over here, we have the Honorable Malcolm X. That's nice, too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah, so now we got it. We got It's get, real over here, man. It's we, real. We got to get yours up on the wall. Now, Absolutely. I want to open uh, the platform up for, for you to put your information out in terms of, like, how can people follow you on social? What new projects do you have coming out okay. where people can support you? Or, or in the future, if you can talk about that. Uh, yeah. yeah, just put it out. All right, so my Twitter my Twitter is uh, at Tony Rock on Twitter. And every Tuesday at 3 o'clock uh, on Twitter, I do 20 questions Tuesdays. Okay. So anybody can jump on my Twitter, send me a question, I'll answer it. 
free of charge if you want game, if you want information on the industry, whatever, whatever the question is. Uh, I do that every Tuesday at three o'clock. Every Sunday at 2 p.m., I do, I have an Instagram, uh, Instagram live show called Fatherhood Rocks. Mm. It was inspired by the birth of my son, who was three months old. I have my friends on that are fathers, and we talk about being a father. We talk about the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs. Uh, I say the, the, the tag for the, the catch line for the show is we give him props to pops. Mm. So we're not mom bashing. We just give him fathers their credit because there's a lot of fathers out here that are doing an incredible job. Yes. And they don't get credit for some reason. That's that's one space where they don't shine a lot of light on black fathers. Man, I was Second just black talking fathers, about that. Fathers in general, they show they show mothers all day and mothers get to say I'm mother and father. But fathers never get equals equal billing for right. some reason. So all of the all of my homeboys that are fathers that became fathers at a young age, I had them on the show. I post the episode, I posted after I tape it. So if you go on my on my Instagram, Tony Tony underscore rock, you can watch every episode. Uh that's every Sunday at two o'clock. And uh, my Instagram, Tony underscore rock, my Twitter, Tony rock, Tony rock comedy.com. I'm currently shopping a script. Like I said, a romantic comedy. Uh, it's in the hands of a few people right now that are reading it. Once I get some feedback, I can let you guys know more about it. Ideally, I would love to see it on Netflix. Yep. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. I have the hour special ready to go. I'm waiting for the world to open back up so I can showcase the hour. Uh, I'm holding out for a three special deal. Okay. People keep saying, yo, you could have did a special a long time ago. I'm holding out for a three special deal. Mm-hmm. I want to do my special. I want to executive produce my little brother Jordan Rock special. And then I want to do a Tony Rock Presents. The, the three or four young up-and-coming comics that I really like, I host it and I bring them out and introduce them to the world. And that's the three specials I'm holding out for. Okay. Beautiful. I love it. Stay working. Oh, yes, I, I, I would love to come on the, uh, the father show. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, just Definitely. yeah. Let me know when when I can get on there because okay. uh, yeah, I, I'm I totally agree with you. Fathers don't get their props that they respect. It's 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 uh, it's not a, it's, it's it's negative, but it's not a negative because mothers get so much so do much. so much that they get all the the, the shine. But right. it's like yo, it's some really really good fathers out there too. It, it is. It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any questions or last final words statements? Uh, today is a beautiful day in Southern California. It is about 85 degrees. I hope you're all somewhere safe. And today would be the perfect day to arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. <laughs> Agreed. Ladies and gentlemen, Tony Rock. Peace. Tony mentioned establishing your own voice is vital to your success and staying true to who you are is the differentiator. We should all stand firm on our personal beliefs and let our moral and value compass be our guide so that we can better take the charge and lead up. You can follow Tony on Twitter to see what he has coming up at Tony Rock. You can also find him on Instagram at Tony underscore rock. Share this episode with family and friends and give us a follow on Instagram at Lead Up Lifestyle. Help us support black businesses that have suffered during the pandemic. Simply go to the bottom of the Lead Up podcast description and click the donate link. Thank you all for listening and supporting. Make sure you keep leading up.